Wayne First Press. Let's stand up. Let's celebrate this glorious day. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my doom till I sent his son to come down for us. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy, but chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan, now you call me a citizen of
rescuing us. Free. 
in the room and for those of you joining us online, welcome. Welcome for some of you to the first time in this new space. We are still celebrating all that God has done in this location. It's just so fun to be here with y'all to worship together. And also to be together on the first Sunday of Advent. This is the beginning of the Christmas season, and I'm so glad we get to celebrate it together. We're going to be working through a sermon series. Look at me, y'all. got all this stuff um, called Waiting Here for You. This is the devotional. And I just wanted to read a quick paragraph from the intro for y'all. As we think about the holiday season that we're entering, it says the frenzy we call the holiday season is a mad dash of tinsel and toys, driven more by consumerism than anything else. Ironically, the season that marks the arrival of the Prince of Peace has somehow begun to leave us frantic, stressed, alone, and peaceless. But, but it doesn't have to be this way. If we ask him, God will give us the grace to slow the pace. He will help us remember how loved we are and how trustworthy he is. If we wait expectantly for him, God will lift our eyes and draw us near to him. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. That's what we do together during this Advent season. If you're new, I'm so glad you're here. This is a great Sunday to be here with us. We want to get to know you. We invite you to fill out a Connect card. This is the best way for us to simply do that, to connect with you. Our mission here at First Pres is real relationships and real transformation, and that starts at the point of connection. So you can scan the QR code. You can visit our website. We would just love to get to know you. Would you pray with me this morning? God, thank you for this first Sunday in Advent. Come, Lord Jesus, that is what we get to celebrate, your arrival, the birth of our Savior. Jesus, as we have just been together um, for, our, for Thanksgiving with our families, Lord, for some of us, uh, maybe a hard time, maybe a hard Thanksgiving. For some of us, maybe a joy-filled Thanksgiving. Whatever we're coming off of from this past week, Lord, may we come to your feet this morning at the beginning of Advent and just give you our hearts. That's what you want mostly from us, Jesus. You just want our hearts. God, we have people on our minds this morning. We want to pray for Taylor Cohn and her family and the loss of her uncle this past week. God, for this family who is grieving the loss um, of this man, Jesus, we just pray that you would draw near to them. And we also pray for the Sample family and the death of John Sample's mother yesterday morning, Lord. Um, just as that you would surround this family with your love, Lord, as they move forward um, and missing their mom and their grandmother um, and just the presence that she's had in their life. And then finally, Father, as always, we pray for Jackie Faircloth and we just ask that you would surround her with your love and your presence and for her family, for John and Kathy and JT Jesus, that you would draw near to them um, as they walk into this Christmas season. Lord, we give you our hearts this morning um, as we come together to worship you. Amen. Good morning. On Sunday morning, January 9th, mark your calendar, instead of being in here worshiping together as the church, we are going to be the church out there in the community as the hands and feet of Jesus. You got to love it. 
We get to have this opportunity to love and serve people and agency with the goodness of Jesus as we go. We will be doing things, projects, like taking care of children at the Children's Cancer Center who have cancer so that their moms and dads can get a much-deserved couple of hours to rest, to go have lunch, or just be. We're going to fix up the home of one of our very own senior members in this church or show our appreciation to the police department by washing their cars and serving them lunch. I know you want to be a part of this. And so I want to invite you to go to our website and register. And I encourage you to sign yourself up, yourself and some friends, you and your children, and find a project that makes your heart beat. I hope you'll do it. Go ahead and do it now so that you can save that date. We also have this unbelievable privilege to take care of some of you who are parents. We know that you parents also deserve and very much need a night out together or perhaps just some uninterrupted time to complete or start your Christmas shopping. And so we want to give that to you by letting you give us your kids for the night. It's going to be on Thursday night, December 9th, from 5 to 9 p.m., as the Crew Children's Ministry christens this building with its first ever event. It's called Pajama Jam or Pajama Jam, however you say it. Why? Because we're inviting all the kids to come wearing their pajamas. Jam because it's Jesus and me. And these halls are going to be filled with Christmas music, games, crafts, a pizza dinner, a movie, hot chocolate, and it goes on and on and on. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Maybe some of you want to come and be a part of that. I'll probably sign up to help. But you also have the opportunity to register this week. Just watch for it online. Get your kids here. Let us take care of them as a way of loving on you and taking care of you. Jesus was very well known for his love for children. It's all over the New Testament. Everyone knew that Jesus always welcomed children to come to him. He would gather them up in his arms, and he would bless them every time. They just felt so loved by Jesus. And when we act like that, we share the love of Jesus with our own children. But not only our own children, also those children who don't know that they're loved and don't know that they're as cherished, like some of the foster children whose names you see on the angel tree outside, like Camden and Giuliano. They're both eight years old, and they have no idea how treasured they are. Even when people are loving on them, many of them get bounced around from home to home. We as a church have the opportunity to love and care for 175 children who are in foster care in our city. And I'm in awe of the way that so many of you have been emptying the foster tree in order to fill the heart of a child. Let's empty the whole tree. Let's fill the hearts of even more children with little Christmas wishes. And that's a way of saying, Jesus loves you, and you are not forgotten, and we cherish you the way Jesus does. And here are five ways 
that you can help us as a church continue to be very intentional with the way that we love and reach children, our own and in this community, but people of all ages with the love and goodness of Jesus. Thank you so much. Friends, let's stand together and continue to worship.
this day, this beautiful day in this building, surrounded by all of our friends and family where we're allowed to worship and enjoy each other's company and worship you. Also, thank you for music that gets in our soul and reminds us that even though we do not see you or we do not feel you all the time, that you are here, you are with us, you are working around us and through us to create little miracles every day. In your name we pray. Amen. McLean said the word Advent. That's what, that's what this season has begun, Advent. It means, literally, it means coming. And so in the coming, we're waiting. We're waiting for the Messiah to come. And that's what this is all about this whole season. Perhaps, however, you've been waiting, as I have been, for um, four and five-star athletes to sign and move to Tallahassee and play football for us. <laughs> You, you just keep your eye on the recruiting classes, huh? You just watch. You go look and see where Florida is right now and go look and see where we are. Go to Rivals.com and check it out. So we're waiting. It's going to happen, baby. And that is my stupid, shallow, and immature way of helping you understand what this season is about. For instance, we're waiting because it's coming, not here yet. The room will be decorated for Christmas next Sunday. Huh? How about that? Because it's just virtually impossible to do it Thanksgiving week because you're all doing what I was doing, which is eating turkey and all, all over the place. But there'll be a tree over here and there'll be stuff. We're waiting because what's coming is the other side of this wall is where 19,000 square feet of new stuff is going to get built. So soon, what's over there will be demolished. Later on, when the whole thing is built, there'll be a door over there. So when you walk in from the north side, you'll walk in, you'll look to your right, and this will be where you bring your children in safe, clean, secure, and fun. This is 6,700 square feet, and it's going to be all for children, birth through fifth grade. Huh? Cool, huh? <laughs> Yeah, and so in the new, the new section in the middle will be a big lobby, and upstairs is where students will go. When we say students, we mean 6th grade through 12th grade, and they'll have four or five rooms up there for them, all kinds of places for coffee. You won't have to be quiet. We can be loud. They'll be all skinned. So then into the room that's going to have 350 seats in it for our adult worship, etc. So all of that's what we're waiting for, and so that's what we're in here to do. Advent means it's coming, but it's not here yet. And, of course, these are all kind of sub-ultimate things, like five-star recruits, and I think we're going to get four of them, by the way. And um, <laughs> sub-ultimate things, that's the rivals rating. I don't know about 247 or the other ones. Um, we're waiting for the Messiah, and that's what people wanted and needed when the baby comes into the world. People are waiting for God to take action, and there's so much that they need and want. And so we get this peek into it from Luke's biography, the Gospel of Luke. A gospel is sort of a biography, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And so in Luke chapter 1, he comes out of the gate swinging, and he's helping us to understand what it is that's going on in the lives of these people, the people of Israel, the people to whom God had made the promise. 
and God keeps his promises, it's the reason we just sang that song. I asked Adam, in the, can we sing Waymaker? Because it's suggesting that God keeps his promises even when God seems silent. And that's where these people are. So we're seeing in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 1, five verses in, he starts. This is an odd story for you and me because it's so old, but I'm going to try to help us understand why we can see our own lives in the midst of these people who are waiting for God to take decisive action. What does it mean to have a Messiah, a Savior? What does it mean to have God fulfill the promises that God has made and God keeps his promises? So here we are, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 17. I'm going to read it all the way through for us. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel, a messenger of the Lord, appeared to him, that is Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. The angel appears, the messenger. When Zechariah saw, saw the messenger... When Zechariah saw the messenger, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Several things in there that are really important to understand. Zechariah and Elizabeth are waiting personally for a child. Painful to not have children in that culture. Almost considered a curse from God. And they are serving at the church. They're on the top of the mountain in Jerusalem. Zion is the name of the mountain. And the temple is there. And the temple represents where God is present it's the center of the religious life of the people. So they're, they're waiting personally to have a baby. But also, really importantly, John is going to be the one that sets the stage for what God is going to do to bring the people back to God. So there's this deep longing that somehow our lives make sense again because we've centered our lives again around our faith. And one of the things they're longing deeply for is to get rid of the oppressor Rome. The boot of Rome on the back of their financial neck because of the tax system. And they loathe Rome, but they're occupied. So they're all of this longing waiting. Messiah, 
one of the features of Messiah, if you just look at Messiah from a lot of different angles, one of the things that I long for is Messiah, and Messiah will rid our people of this oppressive power Rome. It'll be like when we had the king named David, who was a great military leader, and we were a people who were free, and we're not free. So all of this longing is going on. It's longing that has spiritual flavor. It's longing that has personal flavor. It's longing that has national flavor. And they're deeply, deeply desirous of hearing from God. But here's the problem. They haven't heard from God in 400 years. So this is a little bit of the history. This is the first century. It's 400 years beforehand. Then, with the last time they heard from God, it's from a prophet. His name is Malachi. If you get your Bible out, the 39th book of the Bible, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. It's 400 more years before we get John, who starts talking about the Messiah coming. 400 years. They're hearing nothing. God. Rome. God. Children. God. Political unrest. God. Are you ever going to put our people back together as a people aligned in their faith? God, are you listening? God. It's as if this. Everybody in the Rome, I mean, everybody in Israel has a cell phone, and they're talking to God, and they get bubbles. Dot, dot, dot. And then nothing. Yo, God. Bubbles. Dot, dot, dot. Disappears. 400 years. So what we want to say as we think about Advent, the coming of the Messiah, what we want to see about waiting is this. God is working while we wait. God's at work. Just two things about how God is at work in this 400-year period that you would never think of but are very real. The first one is the, one of the great top ten generals, the Bobby Bowden of generals. <laughs> Notice I didn't say Saban. I certainly didn't say Mullen. That was cheap. That was a cheap shot. I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm also immature. <laughs> like literally, the t one of the top ten military minds ever, Alexander the Great. You've heard of him. Alexander the Great, Greek, conquered the known world, and one of the things he did is made everybody learn the Greek language. He did it for two reasons. He was really excited about Aristotle and Sophocles and all those philosophies, and he wanted people to know them, but also he wanted to be able to clearly communicate it with his conquered people so he could collect his taxes from them. So everybody was forced to learn the Greek language. In the time of Jesus, Jewish people spoke two languages for sure, Aramaic, which was a form of the Hebrew language, and the common language of Greek. Some educated Hebrew people also had biblical Hebrew. They were all bilingual. Why? Because Alexander the Great, 400 years ago, made them all learn Greek. There's another really important thing. Rome comes along, wax the Greeks. You ever heard of the term Pax Romana, the peace of Rome? They did two things. They controlled the whole empire also so you could travel on the roads they built. So God is working while we wait, 400 years, bubble, dot, 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 nothing from God, but... We have a common language and a broad road system with relative safety in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, once it explodes in Jerusalem in 33 AD. Wham! 
everybody where, everywhere they went, spoke Greek, and everybody could get there because of the roads. God was at work. Now, those are big kind of mega illustrations. But God shows up. God is a promise keeper. God is a way maker. God is not going to quit. God made a promise a long time ago. He said, I'm going to grow a huge family. Abraham, you're going to be the pop. Sarah, you're going to be the mom. Patriarch, matriarch. Huge family. That's what we are. We're a part of the family that God is growing. God keeps his promises. So God's at work while we wait. Here's one last thing. It's, we've called it FP 2.0. And we, so this is our way of going through what we do. FP 2.0. Well, the slide is, there it is. It's not up on there. Um, notice what it says here. We're waiting as we pray. Be still. Notice the bottom left. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for them. Those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. That's what we're doing. Now, I'm giving you approximate dates of what's coming next, but we're not there yet. So what we do is you want to be the person who trusts God and you're willing to wait knowing that God's at work and you want to be the person who just sells out to a way maker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. That's who we want to be. And so here we are waiting for God to finish the project. It's not finishing. Guess what? Here's the real project. Genesis chapter 12. God says, Abraham, I'm going to use you and make our family really big. Guess what we get to do with this building? Breach people. See, the, the God is making our shoulders broad so that we can be way makers and we can help people who don't know they're loved become, become aware of the fact that they're loved. We are being asked to be a part, using all of these buildings, to be a part of God's big project, which is to reach people that don't know that they're loved. And meanwhile, those of us who do know we're loved, God wants us to go deep. He wants us to flourish. He wants us to be mature. That's, it's a two-pronged attack. Go get them out there and go deep in here. And that's what God is building all of this for. And we're not there yet. We're on a journey, and we will never get there unless we trust and wait on God. So that's what's going on with us. And so it's really important for us to realize that as we make our way through FP 2.0, that what we are becoming is as important as what it is that we're waiting for. And notice Zechariah and Elizabeth. What they became was people who trusted God. Two things about them. I mean, two, two, one thing about both of them, their names. You know what Zechariah's name means? God remembers. 400 years, he kept praying. Did he not? And he heard his prayer being answered by this messenger who comes and tells him it's going to happen. Elizabeth, you know what Elizabeth means? E-L means God. Though I vow after it means of me, my God, and the rest of the word means a, a form of the Hebrew word for seven, which is also a word play on making oaths, promises. The word Elizabeth means God is an oath maker. Did you know that, any of you who are Elizabeth? That's what it means. God makes and keeps promises. That's the meaning of the name. I have one Elizabeth for sure over here. She makes and keeps promises. She does. Unbelievable. Here's what God isn't doing. God's not giving you some kind of personal purity where you're patient. 
although waiting requires patience. Sidebar, if you pray to God for patience, right after you pray for patience, this is what you do. Yell, duck. Because guess what? God's not going to give you patience. God's going to give you some circumstances, and then you get to see if you did it or not. So that's not what's going on here. What God is doing is making us ready for having our shoulders broadened so we can be a part of this big God-sized project to be a family that wants to grow. I said it last week. I'll say it again. We want to be a small church with a lot of people, a small church with a lot of people. What we mean by that is family. And we do life together on purpose in groups that meet every other week or every week in their groups of 10 to 12. And we work together to learn scripture and we serve the community like the angel tree. And we do all of this stuff and we're growing as a family. But we, we can have a lot of people involved, but we want to do it in such a way that we're intimately, never-endingly, relentlessly, on purpose, unashamedly, unabashedly relational. And that's how lives change. So we do things like this where you don't have time to talk to each other, but we do have time to talk to each other when we meet together on purpose in smaller groups. How many small groups can we have? Let's have 120 with 10 to 12 people in each one of them. If you're in a group, you want people who aren't in a group to be in a group, don't you? Yes. And so that's, the, that's what we're being. God is working on us to make us into the kind of people that love other people really well. And it's, again, it's not about patience. It's about God making us into people who, who have relational aptitude. We, have, we can carry the weight. We do it on purpose. And then we align with God's purposes. And that's what I've been talking about so far. So there we are. We've said that God is at work even while we wait. And then we're saying that what happens to us is as important as what we're waiting for. We become people of mature people who want to align ourselves with God's purposes. And then the last thing we want to say, and this is really pertinent about Advent, about the coming of the Messiah, is this. While we wait on God, we wait with God. And what do we mean by that? Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the meaning of the birth of Jesus. You have the text here on the wall. The virgin, that is Mary, will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, the Hebrew meaning is the with us God. E-L on the end of it. You see it again like Elizabeth? You see the E-L? That's God. That's the Hebrew way of saying God, one of the words for God. It's a God with us God, the birth of the Messiah that we so much want and so much need. We have all this longing in our lives, and God made us to to be people that want. We want for self and we want for others. (laughs) Bye-bye. She doesn't want to leave because she's longing to stay in here. (laughs) You got to love children. A a with this God. McLean held hers up and read from it. This is Kathy's. It came overnight. Amazon. Ain't Amazon Prime. If you ain't spent 100 bucks a year on Amazon, there's something wrong. You, You can have it tomorrow. So you go to... Waiting here for you. That's the name of the sermon series for this month. This is the devotional that the people that put it together. It's Passion City Church. It's a mega church in Atlanta. And we, we have their permission to borrow the stuff that we're doing. And so here it is. So if you get your phone out right now and you go waiting here for you, an Advent journey of hope, it'll pop up. You'll see this on your, I mean, on your Amazon. You know how to do it. And this is just another way 
for you to have your shoulders broadened with the presence of God by, by encountering Jesus on a daily basis. When you sit alone and privately, just go. Go at it. And McLean read that beautiful thing in there just from the introductory paragraph. So here it is. One more time. And I get no commission on this, by the way. <laughs> Waiting here for you. It's the name of the book. It's the name of our series. So waiting, it's, it's not asking the question so much, God, get me through this. That's okay to ask, but there's really a better question when we're waiting. And the question is a little bit more like this. What are you trying to do, oh God, during this time? What are you trying to do during this time? And we trust that God will keep his promises. And we know that God's big, big thing is twofold. It's to the whole family of people on the earth, we reach them. And it's also that we individually and as families, we flourish. So you and I, let's do this. Let's staple Zechariah and Elizabeth and hyperlink from them to us and start asking the question, what kind of, what kind of longing, what kind of waiting is going on inside of us? And I'm going to rattle off some things. And I, this is stuff that I've experienced from us. I'm not making this up. These are real things that are going on in the lives of us real human beings in this room and others who are part of our First Pres family. This stuff I'm about to read right now. This is the kind of stuff we're waiting on. FP 2.0 related, the Matthew 25 people who serve the hungry and homeless, we're waiting on God to give us the interim home as we also wait on the permanent home, both of which have great potential, but it's not happening yet. Don't forget them. That is, the homeless and the hungry. Because when you serve the least of these, you serve Jesus himself. But these, these saints, these people who are part of our family who feel called to that particular way of serving, we're still waiting. We don't have that one quite figured out yet. Beulah Baptist is not quite ready over near Tampa Prep to be our temporary or interim home. And the permanent home that's going to happen because the man that's going to make it happen says it's going to happen. That's Philip Smith. It's not there yet, but we're working on it. We're waiting. How are we going to continue to engage with hungry and We're waiting. That's a very real one. We're waiting on diagnoses between scans living life. Some of us are there. Some of us are waiting, like Elizabeth and Zechariah, Will we ever be able to conceive and have a baby? Some of us are in that place. Some of us are waiting because we hate our job. And it's paying the bills. Oh, there's got to be something better. Maybe hate is too strong, but there are some who at times hate it. I, I'm just privileged because I, I'm, I like my job. I'm lucky, but some people really don't like their jobs. Waiting. Some are waiting on a loved one, a spouse, a child to enter recovery 
or return to recovery. Oh, as with a brother this week, painful as his son re-engaged in use and just devastation. If, if you are a person who loves somebody who's in, who's in, who's in recovery or who's struggling to stay sober, you, you need to know this. Three C's. You didn't cause it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. God has to do the heavy lifting. Oh, how difficult. And if that's where you are, I, I just, I, it's just so hard. But we're waiting. God is good and God will heal all things. Because in the kingdom of God where heaven and earth are put back together again in the God reality, those things are gone. But man, right now. And so we're waiting. So just, just reminding you, we're, we're not a lot different from Zechariah and Elizabeth and all those people who are waiting for God to take action, decisive action, in Messiah, the baby who grows up and gets crucified. Oh, this is decisive action. So we know how the story ends already, but still the longing is inside us, and we want things to be different, and they're not. How about this one? Maybe you're waiting on a child or your spouse or some close friend to see that they're loved by God. Maybe you're waiting on them to engage in a relationship with Jesus. And you could, it's almost there. And you've been praying and you've been inviting and you're just working. Don't, don't give up. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. There was 400 years there where God was at work, but we really heard nothing. Don't forget that. Please hang in there with them. Keep loving them. Keep being transparent. Keep being authentic. Keep being vulnerable. But you want so much for that person to discover this that you have discovered and enjoy the grace and goodness and forgiveness of being in a relationship with the almighty God of the universe who we know in the Messiah who becomes Jesus of Nazareth. And so we want that for people. One more. Some of us are waiting on that person who's going to be our covenant love partner for life. And we just don't. This is what I'm hearing. I just don't see him. I'm hearing it from women, 28-year-old women. He's not there. And they're looking around and they see, they see us. <laughs> Dude, I get it. <laughs> But how, if you're longing to have that fulfillment where you know you have a partner and you're going to do life together and they share faith with you and they share a general sense of what it means to be a human being and they're intellectually, you're just all of that and you just want it so badly and you can't stand it and they're not there. There are those in our family of faith also. Well, that's enough. <laughs> Waiting here for you. That's what we're doing. That's who we are. It, what you want to do is invite yourself into this tension that I believe is real for you. The tension is not a bad thing. Don't wish the tension to go away. 
Because what you're being, when you sense some longing inside yourself, when you sense something that's not quite where you hope it will be, that's right where God wants to meet you and work with you. Because God is a way maker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. God will not quit on you. You're not going to be the person where God says, I'm done. That's not going to happen to you. See, God said, I'm, I'm God. I'm going to make a big family. End of, end of story. God keeps the covenant, the oath. Elizabeth, and God, my God is an oath. And God does not make oaths and bail on them. And so we get to be people who wait for God even knowing the way this thing works out in the end. Because we have this baby. He's on the way. And he's the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made. And we are the beneficiaries. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious God, as I think about my own life, and I think about the people who I know and I love and I care about people who I have the privilege of being friends with, and as I sense that we want, we want to flourish in our lives and we want to be a part of your big project. And that's what's so exciting. And so we can feel ourselves aligning with you. And we know that's what you're doing. You're building alignment with your big, big project, which is to love every human being and for every... To love every human being and have every single one of us grow in our maturity of depth of relationship with you. So we thank you that we get a chance to, to pause. We're going to live in tension. We're going to let this tension be real. And it's the tension of knowing the Messiah is coming and knowing you're going to fulfill all your promises, and yet it's not there yet. So help us, gracious God, to do what we need to do most, which is to trust you, because those who wait on you will, will inherit the land. Thank you, gracious God, that we, your people, Know already that we're loved by you, and we get to live into a life of trust and faith, and you will build us into the mature men and women that you want us to be so we can, we can be your promise keepers out in the world in our relationships. All this in the name of a baby who grows up to be a man who dies and lives again for us. Amen. Friends, let me invite you to stand. We're going to sing this song, and when you leave here today, you're going to be a relational wizard. You're going to go out there and love people really well, waiting as you are.
stop.